0: Thank you, Lord. Who else wants to share what God's done for them? Okay. <sighs>
1: yeah, thanks, Shirley. You broke the ground there. This is really hard. But um whoa. <laughs> um, he asked for, you know, to, for the pastors and their pastor's wives to come up for prayer. And you always kind of cringe a little bit, you know. And I thought, no, I'm going to obey this. And I uh, went up. And I just felt like um, his prayer was just so simple. It was just that, he w- that the Lord would revive me and revive my mind. And things have been hard, you know, lately. And um, I felt like he really touched me and met me where I was. And uh, just to have that prayer, you know, you, you just think, you know, are you supposed to do something different? or Am I doing something wrong? And, you know, the Lord just wants us to keep on doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Keep on doing what's right. You know, steady plotting brings forth the gain, yeah. you know. And you just keep on doing what God's called you to do. And, um, and he meets you there. And he, and he revived me last night. He touched me. And I just really appreciate his presence.
0: Good, lots of them. Amen.
2: If Peggy and Shirley can, I guess I can. <laughs> uh, of course, seeing the healing of the lady walking out of the wheelchair was absolutely fantastic and almost unbelievable, you know. But I think more than that was the fact that God was speaking to the church. And I'm so thankful for a pastor that hears from God and has been teaching us in these areas. But it was so stirred up that God has called us apart to be a holy people, to be consecrated to him in an uncompromising walk with him. And um, like James was saying last night, if we would just be the church and who God has called us to be, then people are going to be attracted and they're going to come in and we won't have to go out seeking them. But they'll come to us because we'll have something that's so different. And I just thank him for stirring that up in us.
3: Amen. We, <laughs> <laughs> we
4: have been taught. And I guess I needed immersion for the two weeks there. Yeah. Uh, Second Chronicles, I think it's 714. Mm-hmm. Repent, humble yourselves and pray. Mm-hmm. I needed that immersion. And uh, I was blessed tremendously. And then last night about 11 o'clock, uh, saw a gentleman get uh, what do he call it? Not saved again. He had he has a rededicated we call it. He has some Texas name for it, but it was, you know he he was there last year for a week. Didn't didn't do this, and he was there all week this week. <clears throat> Came up eleven o'clock last night. He had been in Awanas when he was a little kid. You know, just just got the clue last night, very late. <clears throat> Probably recited verses to you, Pastor Floyd. <laughs> all right at your church so uh, it was beautiful Great. and uh, you know it wasn't without the attacks throughout the preparation and the week and uh you know it brought our unity and reconciliation and that was beautiful to see so uh, we have an opportunity today at one thirty to uh see our brothers and sisters again for amen. picking up some things
0: amen <laughs> you, s- you still need somebody to pick up our chairs yes. we need a truck at one thirty to pick up about 40 plastic chairs little load
5: Okay, this is not my story to tell, but it's Justin's and um, the impact of what last night had on him. And he asked, he said, did anybody hear what I heard? And that was the howling that was going on towards the end when truly the presence of God was there. There was definitely howling throughout the valley. Him and I both heard it. And also he said, all around me I could hear voices. And they were talking different languages. And I explained to him what uh, speaking in tongues was. And he goes, but Grandma, I understood some of the words. So <laughs> it was quite a blessing last night. Even though he looked like he was not paying attention, he was stargazing. And he was, didn't look like he was paying attention at all, but truly he was. So.
0: Hallelujah. Uh, that is one amazing thing about young people is they can be going six ways to Tuesday and you're talking to them and you stop and say, okay, what did I say? Because I know you're not listening and then they repeat everything you said.
6: You wonder how they do that. Well, I saw on Wednesday night a a beautiful example of what it truly means to love one another and that was in a situation where off to one side on the stage, a young lady was laying there, crying uncontrollably and Linda Gosweiler and another young lady from another church just laid down next to her and held her and just held her. They weren't trying to share anything or do anything; they just held her and uh, I did lay hands on her and prayed for her, but uh, the key thing is that they took that time to just lay down with her and held her like a little child. And that, I'm sure, was such a healing experience for her. And in a sense, we are all called upon in times of stress and trial. When we see someone hurting really bad, Just hold them. Just hold them the way Christ holds us. Mm -hmm. uh,
0: Pastor John, he's an awful lot like the Apostle John. You know, he's always telling us, love one another, love, care for one another. Oh, I'll be right back. uh,
2: Well, I think over the past um, several weeks that um, in, in the teachings we've received here, that it was, uh, in a way, a preparation. Last week, Pastor had talked about a vision, whether we had a vision, and what God's purpose is for us, and, and I do. But oftentimes we may have the vision and we, we may be taking the steps in that direction and people may be alongside you praying because they've captured that vision also. But, <clears throat> you know, that whole scripture of it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. <clears throat> that is so meaningful. And I've had a lot of healings um, through the more recent years. I, you know, I haven't gone up for prayer normally, um, but uh, I I knew that I've been under a physical assault uh, over the, since the beginning of the year. And we kind of all knew what that was about. But when Chris prayed with me one night, very briefly after everything was over, and <laughs> I just told him, I, I know I've I've been under this assault. And he just very quickly, I mean, just put his hand on me real quick and said, you know, well, I'm believing that God's going to deal with that assignment and this is the first time this happened to me in prayer but I literally felt as though somebody punched me right in the stomach and I know that was a manifestation and the tears I couldn't even I mean I didn't start crying they were just flowing like a waterfall but it was a physical manifestation of that punch like I'm going to get you you know And but you know it was gone so praise God. <laughs>
6: <them
0: glory>. <laughs> <laughs> nice, it's nice. Wait, wait, I'm heading this way. Go ahead. Bypass. <laughs> <laughs> i got to keep track of all this.
7: Uh, there was <clears throat> a couple of profound things that uh, came to mind during the tent revival. One was when he said he was in a youth minister in a youth camp and there were 600 young people that had spent the whole week in worship. Guitars playing, bam, 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 the drums banging, woo, singing away, all the way to the end of the week until he asked the Lord, what do these young people need? And he said, there's a suicide spirit amongst the youth. They need to be prayed for that. He had an altar call. The 600 kids that had been wailing and singing away for a week came forward and kneeled at the altar, but they didn't know how to pray. They could sing. They learned how to sing, but they didn't learn how to get a hold of God in prayer. And when you let them into prayer, God began to cast out, that suicide spirit. Another thing that was said that I think is pertinent, is he mentioned Pastor Cho in South Korea and cell churches. Now, if you study a little bit about Pastor Cho, he went to South Korea, prayed, sought the Lord, and God gave him a strategy to how to reach that location. And the strategy was cells but it was birthed through prayer. And then he said, Brother Chris said this, he said the key to the cell movement is his 24-hour prayer mountain. And if you have cells without the prayer, you're not going to get the anointing, that level of success that you have seen in, in what we will call the mega cell churches. Now, I'm giving you a free advertisement for something I saw in the bulletin this morning about a, a pre-service prayer starting at 8.30. Okay, so, so I, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> uh, so hang on a second now. Now, 10 years ago, when, when uh, my wife and I were associate pastors down the hill, and we were the youth leaders and youth pastors, I haven't, I have never stood behind a sacred desk and ministered in 10 years since I went on a sabbatical and moved up here eight years ago. So, so just hang with me, okay? If if you want to hear this this full message, you'll have to invite me back as a guest speaker. And <laughs> in Joel chapter 2, and another thing that was said in this, in this camp meeting was the desire to see the unity of the churches. You know, not having to wait for the National Day of Prayer where we all get together and hallelujah, we're all in one accord until next year. See you next year. But this camp meeting, these revival meetings, was centered around bringing the churches together, where we cry out to God together. In Joel chapter 2, it talks about, in verse 8, it says, Neither shall they thrust one another. How would you like to see ministers that don't thrust one another? How would you like to see ministries that don't compete against one another and treat their individual churches like, individual private franchises if you will we're all in this together Where there's one lord one faith one baptism one spirit and one father of us all and we're all in this together wouldn't that be fun and they and they everyone should walk in their own path can you imagine that they're walking their own path and they don't trust one another hey that's that's my gift that's my revelation that's my anointing you know get out of my way and if they fall on the sword, it shall not be wounded. Well, I long to see that, Pastor Jeff. I hope I wasn't out of order last week when I threw this verse out of Joel 2, 17. But I wonder, really want to start in Joel 2:15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast call a solemn sinly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, and gather the children and those that suck the breast, and let the bride broom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them cry out, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not your heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Where do we cry out to God and say, Lord, spare thy people? I mean, come on, what are we doing? Are we, are we waiting for a rapture or something? Are we waiting for the pre-end of America as we know it, rapture? You know, a pastor's wife down there Said, "I don't believe in the rapture." She said to me, "So what do you mean? I don't believe in the rapture. I just believe it's at the last trump, like First Corinthians fifteen fifty two said. It was the dead in Christ rise; those who are alive and remain are caught up. It's one event. It's at the last trump. It's a reward for holiness and sanctification. It was never meant to be an escape." So prayer warriors, it's a call to prayer. When God raises up an army, he doesn't raise you up to evacuate you. He raises up an army to send you into combat. And that's what God's calling to he, he says, I'm not a Republican. I'm a prayer warrior for the destruction of the new world order. I don't belong to any political party either. I believe in God destroying the New World Order and the brightness of his coming through your prayers. It's time to get into war here. Stop looking for an escape. So, 8.30, pre-service prayer. Was that a great advertisement for that? And like I said, I'll finish this message when I'm invited back as a guest speaker.
3: Thank you. Um, I went to the tent meeting, of course. I went last year, and this is a personal testimony about something that happened last year that was culminated this year. I've been very ill. I didn't make a big deal out of it, but for about two and a half years, I laid on the couch, and I had to pull myself up off the couch on a heavy metal table. The only times I went out was to come to church. And if you guys remember, I missed some. The reason was I couldn't stand to get in the shower and wash. The doctors could not find out what was wrong with me. One doctor said it's cancer. Recommended very expensive tests, thousands of dollars. I didn't have it. Not only that, but I didn't believe him. And of course I prayed. Well, I went to the tent meeting last year. Still very, very sick. And Pastor Chris prayed that God, that Jesus, would heal me. I'm sorry. And um, I was even slain in the spirit, which I'd never been before. Well, God did heal me. Now, my God, my relationship with our God, is God's a a god of the 11th hour, 59th minute, and .99 second in my life because he knows I need patience and I need faith. (laughs) So it took a while. Well, just as I was beginning to regain strength, the doctors figured out what was wrong with me. And I had been poisoned by an antibiotic. That doesn't show up until three or four months after you take it, and only a very few people are affected by it. And, um, it's rarely fatal. I've been in medicine since I was 17. I was real close. So I thanked Pastor, Pastor Chris, and he, you know what he said? I bet you can guess. I thanked him for the healing. Can anybody guess what he said? I didn't heal you, Jesus healed you.
8: Uh, I've been very impressed with what I've heard this morning by these people, and it's really fantastic. A uh, man who has a great deal of influence on me is John Day over here, and Floyd too. Yeah, I use sometimes, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I read a lot. And the one thing that I found myself in and going around the world is many, 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 many times you're by yourself. And you're asking questions that you sometimes can't answer. But if you pay attention, you look around, you find it. One, once, I, One I found on a grave in Normandy when I used to ask why about Vietnam for so many years. Drove myself crazy until the cheese slipped off the cracker. And uh, it was right on a gravestone uh, right there in Normandy that I read it. You know, I paid attention of uh, other things that I've seen happen to other people in lives. And in this British gravestone right there in Normandy where this man had fallen on D-Day, it said, his parents had left thy purpose, Lord, we cannot see, but all is well that's done by thee. It just answered my question right there. You know, why? Tra- you don't try and figure things out all the time. You just keep a thing called faith. Uh, the captain over here. Has a great deal of it. And, uh, the other captain up in front does. But I read one the other day and it seems to answer everything that everybody says here that, you know, come, you know, like, you know, like, uh, how do you carry on? What do you do? What, 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 what makes us go? And I read this little thing and it says, uh, let right be your battle cry ever in waging the warfare of life. And God, who knows who are the heroes, will give you the strength for the strife. There it is.
0: Thank you, sir. Matthew chapter 13. I want a couple, read two passages to you real quick before the word is preached this morning. I want to remind you too that ladies, the uh, women's gathering is coming up. There are some brochures in the hallway. That's August the 14th. If you're not signed up for that, I think they'd love for you to do that right away if you're going to. Also, to let you know, the weekend before that, uh, I've asked Elise Vasquez to share her testimony here in both services. How many of you have ever heard Elise's testimony? Yeah, it's worth hearing, amen? Well, see, I've never heard it. <laughs> I want to hear it. So I invited her to share with us. She's looking forward to it. And so those are uh, two things coming in the first couple of weeks of August. In Matthew chapter 13 verse 2 it says that the great multitudes were gathered together to Jesus and he got into a boat and sat down and the whole multitude stood on the shore and then he spoke many things to them in parables saying Behold a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now verse 18, in the same chapter, Jesus begins to explain the parable to his disciples. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns... Is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. For those of you who have heard something from God, you've gotten a revelation, you've gotten an insight, you've received healing, you were delivered. In uh, especially in this week of meetings at the tent with evangelist Chris Clock, you've got to cover the seed. You've got to cover the seed. Don't just get happy about it, dance about it for a day or two, and then let the enemy have it. Don't go back and get all you know, as Shirley said, I'll camp on you a minute, you know, let the, the hardness of our heart set in or the deceitfulness of following all the things that are there to go after and then have it get choked out. Let's hang on to what God's spoken to us. Let's hold fast to those things that He has revealed to us, and fight for them. The enemy, the, you know, this first one says that the enemy comes immediately to snatch the seed away before it can ever take root. We've got to be mindful that there is a warfare. We've heard it a couple of times here this morning. There's a warfare over the Word of God and over the spiritual life, and the enemy wants to strip us of it, but he is defeated. First John 3 says, for this reason the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The enemy is defeated at the cross. We just need to reinforce what happened at the cross in our own lives and hold ourselves and one another accountable to staying faithful to what God has spoken and done. You know, uh, as Bobby testified, you know, this manifestation, this physical uh, feeling of knowing that that was happening in her life and in her body and in her ministry, uh, she's got to hang on to that. She's got to fight for that. Got to hold the ground. You know, once you take ground, you have to hold it. Right? So I just want to exhort you this morning. Make sure you get the soil on top. Cover it with good soil. Say, God, I receive it in Jesus' name. I'm going to hold on to it. Write it out. Rehearse it. Find scriptures that back up what God has spoken to you. Confirm it and be accountable to one another and encourage one another. That's what we're supposed to be doing, provoking one another to good works, right? Gathering together, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24, 5, 6, and 7. Right in there, we're supposed to be encouraging and provoking one another to stay faithful. So will you help me stay faithful? Oh, good. i got a couple. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'll help you. Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, the time we have left, we'll give the pastor, Rob, and he's going to preach the word. I just got the to exhort today.
9: And it will be a quick word. Amen. It's almost 11. Hallelujah. Amen. These are my notes for this morning, so I think I'll leave those on the front chair. Amen. Amen, yeah. You know, I was going to just do that. just kind of started off, and and I was going to start a series anyways on praise and worship. We're just going to hold that off for another time. I want to tell a story. Um, Just give us some background this morning, Father, in just a few minutes. Father, continue to speak to us, Lord. Weave uh, this whole morning together. Strengthen us. God, empower us. Father, we want to get a hold of You, and we want to hold on tight. Father, we want to guard our hearts this morning. Hallelujah. Father, help us not to let the enemy come and steal the seed that was sown. God, I pray that this morning our hearts would be softened and that the Word spoken this morning would fall upon Soil that is prepared. God, continue, Lord, for those, maybe someone in this room who, Lord, has had a hard heart and maybe still does. God, we pray that you would just help to break up that fallowed ground this morning. God, until we can truly all receive the Word of God with joy and gladness and let it bear fruit. God, in keeping with repentance bear fruit unto
6: righteousness.
9: (coughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, God told His people to build a place to dwell. And there goes into chapters and chapters of the intricacies of the tabernacle. More than 200, close to 250 verses describe the tabernacle and what it was like and what it looked like and how to make it and the gold and all the, the things that were involved with the tabernacle. In comparison, if, if I'm correct, there's less than 80 Scriptures that talk about the creation of the world. We as Christians probably spend more time debating with other people about creation. And yet, by far, the emphasis that God wanted us to have is about the tabernacle. Well, why? It wasn't about the gold. It wasn't about the lampstands. It was what about it, what it represents. The whole tabernacle was pointing in to the presence of God, which was manifested and, and shown to us, represented to us, in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was what the, the Jews w- w- would take out even into battle and they would carry it and put the singers in front. and They wanted the presence of God to go with them. The ark for us, every time you read about the ark, we need to understand that that's the presence of God. The presence of God. This morning in just a few minutes, I want to talk to us about getting God's presence, understanding and living in His presence. You see, when Jesus died on the cross... When Jesus died on the cross, we know that one of the miracles that happened was there was a veil in the temple that separated the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was traditionally kept. There was a a curtain, and that curtain was rent from top to bottom. I believe that that was 35 feet tall. Thick. No man could rip it. And it was rent top to bottom, not bottom to top. Rent from God to man, opening up the way that we could get into the presence of God. God wanted us to never feel that we needed to go somewhere to be in His presence, that we needed to do certain rituals and prescribe. He wanted us to know that we could walk in His presence and that the greatest thing to desire is to be in His presence. Well, in two different places, there's a story. In Second Samuel and in First Chronicles. Let's let's take the Second Samuel Chapter six. We might have to go before. No, nope, we're gonna start in chapter six. In chapter five, David they won a great battle, the Philistines were defeated. And they had the Ark of the Covenant in chapter 6, and they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, back into Jerusalem. And there was a prescribed manner in which the Ark was supposed to be carried. But they put it on an ox cart, and that's not what they were supposed to do. They were handling the presence of God without the respect and without the care that it needed to be. And as they walked along with the ox cart, the ox stumbled in chapter 6. You read this. And one of the guys, poor Uzzah, as the cart began to tip, reached out to stabilize and to help, help the ark. And he touched it and he, and he dies. And we, we've heard this story before. And so what does David do? They all get scared. And they take the ark where they're at and they find the home of a guy named Obed-Edom. And they bring the, the ark right into his house. And just, I mean, it's, it's amazing I, when I read this and think historically, what were they doing? What were they thinking? They just brought the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in Obed-Edom's house. And so here's this man. We don't know much about him. We, but, but he received the Ark and I believe this is what it looked like for him. They brought it in and they said, let's see here. Hmm, let's move this big box with the knobs on it that we turn on every night and let's get that out of the way. And we're going to put the Ark of the Covenant, we're going to put God's presence in the prominent place instead of that other box. And the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God rested in the house of Obed Edom. And the scriptures say, the scriptures say that everything that Obed Edom had was blessed. Everything. That means his tomatoes were bigger. His kids were better. The food that he ate every night tasted better. Everything he had was blessed. David, hearing about this, hearing about the blessings of Obed-Edom, goes and sends for the Ark of the Covenant. This time, when they bring it the rest of the way from Obed-Edom's house, they change the way that they cared for the, the, the presence of God. And in, uh, in cha- let's start in verse 13 of chapter 6. And, it was, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Six steps. One. Two, three, four, five, six. And sacrifice. And then six more paces. Just from walking from here to here, we'd have to stop at least three times to sacrifice, to celebrate God. Because His presence was what they needed. They respected the presence of God. They were rejoicing in God. They valued the Ark of the Covenant, and understood what they had done wrong. They began to celebrate and worship and praise. This is the passage where, if you keep reading on, that David praised his God so foolishly that he, he did it, he took off his royal garments. Now we we know we've we've heard in fact when I was in, in high school there was some crazy band that did this song and Tina might remember, she smiled at me. It was called Dancing Naked. You know, Dancing Naked. You know, he wasn't naked. But 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 he might as well have been because he was the king and he got down into his just his undergarment and he was dancing and leaping as they would come in and he was praising God so much that the daughter of Saul, she really just cursed him. What are you doing, you're a fool? says I'll become even more foolish than this the word for praise which I'm not going to go into the whole message cuz it's 30 pages long the word for praise in the in the hebrew is halal and and it and it means to shine forth to be brilliant to make a spectacle and it can and it can even be to be foolish see if you speak another language, you understand that some words, there's just a lot of different definitions. And and so when we go into English, it's it's hard at times. And so that's why we'll, you'll be reading along and you might find one ver, word in English which says praise, and another time it says act foolishly. Well, in the Greek it was halal. Shining forth, he was making a clamorous ex, exploit. Shining forth the glory of God as he celebrated the Ark of the Covenant coming back into Jerusalem, celebrating the presence of God. You know, the presence of God is the most important thing that we have. It's the thing we need to fight for. I mean, we have to fight for time in the presence of God because the world and your schedule and my schedule doesn't lend itself to spending time with God. It's really easy to get into just the habit of doing things. Just doing things. You know, we, we've had prayer first for quite some time. And I don't, I don't know if any of you noticed. But we didn't have it last month. And the sad part is, is most of us probably didn't Notice. Because we, I think, are allowing ourselves to get so busy and caught up in other things that the things of God, prayer and the presence of God, are things we're putting on the back burner because we're so busy in this culture. We need to begin to cultivate a a passion for the presence of God once again. And that's going to happen through our times as we pray and not just offer up those football prayers and God bless them and God bless them, but begin to really come together come separately, come together and seek the face of God and spend time in the presence, becoming like David going, I'm never going to let the presence of God leave me again. Create in me a clean heart, he prayed. Oh God, after he sinned and Nathan confronted him, cast me not away from thy presence. We need to get a passion for being in God's presence and not just a passion for doing the works of God. Now, I'm speaking to me. It's it's really easy to just get busy about doing things for God and lose the passion of His presence and prayer. And when you're in His presence, you see Him move. He speaks to you. This week, I only got to go to the the, the meeting two nights, and it was great to just be back in His presence. And, And I'll tell you, it wasn't the worship Okay? Okay? It wasn't the worship. Sometimes we think that the, the music is... You know, I think what we've done is we've... And I've got to be careful because I'm going to start preaching. I don't want to do that today. You have to come back a few weeks for that. But sometimes I think what we do is, is, is we substitute this music thing that we do at the beginning of church, church, and we go, well, That's worship. In a few weeks, when I get started on this series, we're going to really spend some time talking. This is not worship. This is music. Worship is what we do, whether it's in music, or in reading scriptures, or at home in prayer. We need to begin to change our mindsets and begin to understand that the only way that the the lost will be saved. The only way that your spouse will become saved, the only way healing is going to happen is through prayer and the presence of God. And I'm convicted. You know, I, I had never met uh, Pastor Brother Chris. Don't know what to call him. You know, he's, but I had never met him. And so last night, it was, it was really exciting for me for him to call me out he didn 't know me from Adam, you know whenever you 're in a place that you people know you and then they call you out you know there 's always that thing oh, well, you know me, you know a little bit about me he didn 't know he didn 't know anything, but he spoke, and the things were true i i 've been dry i 've been dry for actually a long time, pressing in God, where and just even the night before God began to sp- speak again to me and through me and we need to be in His presence more. I need to be in His presence. I need to be in prayer. And uh, you know, I'm gonna, we're, I'm going to make a declaration. I was going to do it in worship practice, but if, for the worship team, here here's the news that's going to go out on the thing too. No longer are we going to practice uh, on Sunday morning from 8:30 until 9:25 and jump into a time of worship. God forgive us. I'm doing this publicly. God forgive us. We spend all this time preparing musically. And we, did we prepare spiritually? Did we touch God's presence? We're going to be stopping. We're going to be spending minimum of 15 minutes, not for potty breaks. We're going to come and pray. Prayer first is Sunday morning at 8.30 every Sunday. We're gathering together. We're going to need to begin to pull down. Pull down the things of heaven. Cast off. The things of hell and see his glory come. Stir up that presence. It, this valley will only be one through prayer, getting back to his presence. It's not about cells, it's not about worship, it's not about tent meetings, it's not about our cushy chairs or somebody else's more cushy chairs. We need to get a hold of the things of God. And all those things are, are tools and, and, and valuable if they're in their right places, but we sometimes put them above the presence of God. They're strategies and they're, they're, they're valuable. The, the music, I, I love music. I've been involved in worship ministry for twenty over 20 years. Goodness, almost 25 years. About 23 years I've been involved in worship ministry. I know. So I love what happens, what can happen up here. But it's not happening enough what should be happening. We need to be in the presence of God. We need to see Him manifest. I want to see the Shekinah glory. And, and you know, this is fun. Many of us probably in this room, because I did, and and I've heard it all over, believe that the Shekinah glory was the cloud, right? That was the Shekinah glory. Actually, the cloud was the glory. Shekinah simply means to come and rest. Shekinah means to dwell and to rest. One of these things that we've been probably just somehow gone off and we thought that the Shekinah glory was the cloud, it was not the cloud, it was the a- act of the cloud resting upon the tabernacle. And this, this is a re- revelation, this, I just got this last night, and, and it's there, I can show you the Hebrew. So what is really the Shekinah glory that we're needing? Not just an experience that goes away. We want the Kabad, the glory, to settle and rest upon us. That's Shekinah glory. Not, that was a great revival meeting this week, it won't look any different than the week before last. Last week was glory and this week was normal. Begin to get into the presence of God so that at all times, and I'm not saying we'll all look at s- spiritual freaks, but we'll be closer to God and we'll hear His voice more clearly at the grocery store. Wherever we're at. But it's not going to come by happenstance. We have to be pursuers of God, I'm looking for the time that people begin to say, "I'm going to go pray." And wants to come, I'm going to be wherever that is. It's going to be up at Skyline Drive. It's going to be wherever, and people are just going to flock because we're going to want to pray. We'll, we'll come We'll have our own prayer mountain. We live on the mountain. We'll find a place that even in a small congregation, there's almost always somebody praying. And seeking the face of God. We need his power. We need his presence. And it's only going to come as we humble ourselves, seek his face, and pray. And I've, I'm convicted. Convicted. You know, Pastor Eric in Oakdale, um, you know, he said, and as, as a pastor. And he says, I, I I I wanna basically I wanna be holier than anyone in my congregation. I wanna he didn't use that word, but he said, I wanna be praying more than anyone in my congregation. I wanna be reading more than anybody in the congregation. I'm their leader. I need to be seeking God more. And it's a convicting moment as leaders. It's a convicting moment for me. You press into prayer. Experience His presence. And the glory will come. It's not supposed to be a condemning moment this morning, but one that ch- challenges us. I don't know much about Chris, but what I heard is he's a man of prayer. And he'll skip his meals, and he'll go out and pray before his services. If you thought God was moving at the, the tent meeting, it's because prayer, not just on his part, but on other people. Prayer went into that. I'm excited to see God's been stirring things up for a while. The release of the gifts, the passion for the things of God. It's still just beginning to stir. We're not there yet, and that's exciting. We're not there yet. We're going to see it more and more. God's going to pour out His Spirit, He's going to do more exploits, not for exploits' sake. Everything He does is about giving Him glory that the lost will be saved. But as we begin to get into His presence, as the presence lives in my house, the Bible says I can be like Obed-Edom and everything I have will be blessed. Your dog will stop peeing on the carpet. It's going to be blessed. Everything, you know. I mean, that—that sounds silly, but why not? Why can't everything we have be blessed? God, forgive me for prayerlessness. Forgive me for working in my own strength. God, I thank you that there is no condemnation. But Lord, I thank you for not casting me from your presence. God, I thank you that you haven't taken your Holy Spirit from me. But Lord, I recognize that the Holy Spirit's a lot quieter than He used to be. God, let me be passionate for Your presence. And God, then let us, as part of the body of Christ here at Christian Center... Be passionate about your presence. God, change change even the numbers that there are more people in prayer from 8.30 to 9.20 than there are in service. That people would come and pray and say, you know, I can't stay going to witness to somebody. I'll be in my cell, but I'm not staying, but I had to come and and pray and be in the presence of God with the rest of the believers. Help us to get our focus right. God, this land needs to be healed. Our sins need to be forgiven as we humble ourselves before You. Seek Your face. Pray. Let us not be satisfied with Hail Mary prayers. But begin to burn in us a need and a passion to to have your presence. Teach us your ways. Expand our thinking to match your thinking. Father, we thank you for those things that have happened this week in the awakening, for some of us, God, we're going to guard it. We're going to cherish it. We're going to fertilize this seed. No bird's going to come and take it away. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.
3: Well, Pastor Rob, if this is you dry, I can't wait to see you wet. <laughs> 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 That's
9: funny. <fine. laughs>